Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I'm excited because I have with me Andy Stort. Andy is a author, speaker, consultant, and podcast host. Most notably, or at least how I know came across him, is through his book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, Stop Drifting and Take Control of Your Future. And he's also the host of the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast and other podcasts as well. I'm excited to talk to Andy today because in addition to all of these things, he is a USC MBA alum. And so we're going to talk to Andy a little bit about his journey, his time in business school and his book, as well as just general personal and career development. It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I know it's something that Andy is super excited about, has a ton of expertise in, and is really passionate about. So I'm glad to have him here. So first and foremost, Andy, thank you so much for joining. I know that you are a podcast host and I hope it's enjoyable for you to be on the other side of the mic. And before we dive into deeply, I always still have to start with a warm-up question. And for someone who talks a lot about careers, I think this is a good one for you. What was your first job you had growing up and, and maybe what was an important lesson that you learned from it? Yeah, well, Al, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. When you reached out, I saw the topic and what you're doing. And I was like, yes, this is so needed. And uh, I'm excited to jump in and add whatever value I can. So I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, I, I love asking these questions and talking to people about those early jobs and all the jobs throughout their career. And so for me, it was when I was 15 years old, I, my mom got me a job working on the county highway maintenance crew here in sunny Orlando, Florida, over the summer, it might've been in between sophomore and junior year of high school. I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, but you can imagine if you've been to Florida or live here, it doesn't get much hotter than July in Florida. And I was out working on the road crew, basically like mowing lawns and pulling weeds. And I don't remember what else we did, but it was all outside stuff. And there are two lessons. It, it was hard work, but I, I got through it and I worked with some very interesting people. And uh, there were two lessons that I took away from that experience. Number one was I do not enjoy manual labor outside and I'm going to follow my parents' uh, guidance and get a college degree and go work in an office somewhere because not to take anything away from people that do that, I really admire people who are able to go out and do manual labor outside, but it was not for me. And to this day, like I love mowing my lawn, but I don't really fix a lot of stuff. The second lesson that I learned much later this is the beginning of is that, and this started in business school, we could talk more about this, but I became really big on networking in my career. And it's probably the biggest thing, the biggest key to my success in my career so far has been networking and relationships. And I think back now at 41 across all the jobs I've had, and most of them came from personal connections all the way back to that very first job. My mom got me through some connection she had. I don't know what it was, but she's like, Hey, I got you a job. You start on Monday. And that's a lot easier than going out and applying for a ton of different jobs. And that's the lesson I look back on and go, wow, it's so much easier to get a job through an introduction or connection than applying online or whatever I would have needed to do at that time. That's really great. Thank you for sharing that. And look, moms play a lot of different roles in our lives. And I think hype woman and, and job assister is certainly just one to one or two to add to the list. I am curious now, you mentioned 
that you don't, you, you do enjoy mowing the lawn, but maybe not some of those other outdoor activities. It sounds like you're okay with the heat though. Although it didn't sound like that summer was really fun doing manual labor outside, but you live in Orlando now. Are you okay with the heat, the humidity? It's just, yeah, just yeah. the manual labor? Yeah. So yeah, I spent first 22 years of my life in Florida, moved to California for a while, 11 years, and then came back to Florida. And I'm totally okay with the heat. Don't love it. Makes it tough to go outside and do stuff sometimes, but it could be worse. I, I think I've embraced it. But at the same time, if I'm outside, I'm probably doing something fun or maybe walking from one place to the other. I'm not working on a roof or doing manual labor, hard work that I know I see a lot of people outside doing. And again, like much credit to them. I, I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> for sure. Just no. We go back to school and we get our MBA. Yeah, exactly. 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 No, look, there's plenty of, there's plenty of things that people can find to enjoy working hard at. And I think maybe if you just, you find the one that works for you, that's really what it's about. And for some people that's going to be outside and for, for folks like us, it might be in a different way, but let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned a little bit of living in California, living a little bit in Florida, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. And maybe why not set the kind of frame for this too? Why don't you dig in a little bit into what you were doing, you know, starting your career or working your, your career before you decided to go and get your MBA and attend USC? Yeah. Like I said, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I went to uh, college at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and it was the only school I wanted to go to. My dad went to school there. I was a big Gator fan growing up, and uh, I put a lot of effort into getting good grades so that I could get in. And luckily I did because I didn't really have much of a backup, but I got into school there. I had a great four years. I met my wife in school. And after that, we decided to pick up and move to California to try new things. And she wanted to get into TV production. Along the way, I discovered this idea of entrepreneurship and there had never been, I wasn't aware of any entrepreneurs in my family. I don't think I even knew what entrepreneurship was until after college. And I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki which was my introduction to entrepreneurship. And I decided, oh, the, the people who really make the most money are the ones who go and start their own businesses. So I'm going to try to do that. So after I had a couple different jobs out of college, including starting in a management training program with Walgreens, so working in some drugstores, I decided to try my hand at starting some different businesses. After we got out to LA, I worked for a couple of startups and then I started a couple of my own companies and they were all failures. The startups I worked for, I had absolutely tyrannical, terrible bosses who were you know, just tyrants and people you wouldn't want to work for. And I learned what not to do as a manager, as a leader. And again, I started a couple of my own companies, a little startup type things with friends, nothing that worked out. And so I decided I've, I've got to go get a real job and get a salary. I basically gave up on that dream. And a friend of mine got me a job working for a, an insurance company in Southern California. At the same time, my wife had gone back to school to get her master's degree at USC in uh, journalism. And I felt one of us needs to be bringing in like a decent salary. So I went into the corporate space and got a job, but I, I really didn't enjoy it very much. It was like a data analyst role with an insurance company. It didn't fit my strengths at all, but it was very easy and I was able to get it done. But I started to feel really frustrated with my career. This is at 25 years old or having worked that long, but I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this. Like just feeling like I'm not doing the work that I like to do. I don't even know what it is that I want to do. But I feel so frustrated. I need to do something. And the only thing that I know from my upbringing is more education. My parents were both teachers. My mom ended up being a high school principal. My stepmom was a high school principal. All, my mom, my dad, my stepmom all have master's degrees. So I was like, okay, I need to go get more education. And that's when I started looking into getting the MBA to be a jumpstart to my career, if you will. 
Thank you for sharing that. And I can certainly relate a little bit. My par- Both my parents went to business school and got their MBAs and they both worked mm-hmm. in the corporate world. And my sister also went to business school as well. And not only did we have MBAs, but I can relate in the sense that in a lot in our family, education was the thing that we talked about at the dinner table a lot of times after after a long day, or more specifically just about not only just our days, but just my parents reinforcing for them, at least that was their ticket to being able to achieve some of the goals they had and what they wanted for themselves and also to help them actualize on their abilities and their talents and whatnot. And I certainly, I think that education could come in a lot of forms, fortunately, these yep. days. The avenues, I think, for both of us just ended up being an MBA degree. And- oh, yeah. When I look back on my childhood, we did a lot of fun stuff. I played a lot of sports. My parents loved me, not taking me away from them. But if I could sum up the entire childhood, it was like, you're going to go to college. As long as you get into college, you'll be fine. If you don't, the world's going to end. <laughs> so like, okay, I'm going to go get into college, right? Sure. I'm curious, when you went to business school and went through that experience, and certainly I'm assuming learned a lot more about the business world and in different functions or different industries or different companies. How did that put in perspective maybe some of those early trials and tribulations that you had either in trying to start some of those businesses or in some cases working for some of those startups uh, that weren't really uh, working out? I was still, as I was, you know, I got into business school and as I started and and started going through classes and and meeting people, I still felt very lost and confused in where I wanted to go in my own career. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but an important lesson I learned right away, going back to the, the conversation about networking was that success really depends a lot more on who than what you know. And, And that's not the case for, not the case for everybody, but I started to focus more on building my network and getting to know people and the getting to know the right things that I wanted to know versus just absorbing as much knowledge and just trying to get good grades, which was the focus early on that had shifted a little bit in college. You know, you still had to get a certain GPA. I had to get a certain GPA to keep my scholarship and things like that. Whereas in business school, I felt like, oh, there's not as much of a focus on academics here. And it might be different in every school, but at least where I went to school, it was kind of like we grade on the curve you show up and you do decent work, like you're going to make it through. It's not a big deal. And I started to think about the other benefits that could come out of this as in, like I mentioned, the network and the people I know. So I got a great education right before I started. This was in July, 2005. I read a book called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Yes. Which was absolutely, yeah. So you've read that. It, it, It was a game changer for me. It really taught me a lot of what I needed to hear about networking. I think it had just come out at that time. And I came into business school at USC Marshall on an absolute mission to build a network and meet as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I've read Never Unit Alone. I've actually I've traded emails with Keith a couple of times just because the book was just such an important book in my life. And I think I probably read it around the same time you did or maybe shortly thereafter. And I, I couldn't agree more. But so let's talk a little bit about, so after you graduated from, from Marshall, what did you do? And I saw, and I think when I was looking at your LinkedIn, you did spend some time not only um, working at Farmers, but I think you also did a stint really getting into consulting and, and as a talent yeah. facility, a talent, talent development and things like that. I and mean, as I'm thinking now, just talking before, just about education of the world that that played, I'm, I'm starting to wonder what the connections are with that. But maybe just for starters, what did you do after you graduated yeah. and, and how did that all play out? Yeah, I picked things up. I, I went on a big tear on networking and, and I was like, I'm going to meet as many people as possible. And my first day I met a, a guy named Taiki Esheim who became my best friend in school and he was of the same mind. And we almost competed to see who knew more people. 
And uh, so we'd go out and check, you know, meet a bunch of people, check in at the end of the day, put a team together. But that, that paid off. I ended up being elected president of my, you know, core class the first year and then president of the MBA program a couple of years later. And I don't think it was because I do anything more than anybody else. It was just because I knew more people than anybody else. And those connections continue to pay off because I still honestly didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I was in the part-time MBA program. So I was working full-time while I was going to school. And I changed jobs from one insurance company to, as you mentioned, I got a job at Farmers Insurance as a senior analyst there. And then when I got the MBA, I finished, they gave me a promotion essentially to a product manager or might've been an assistant product manager role. And it was making pretty good money. It still wasn't really a job that I didn't really feel like it fit my strengths. And I still felt a little bit frustrated. It was a great company. There were great people there, made a lot of great friends, but I knew there had to be something more for me. I wasn't sure what it was. And one day after I graduated, I sent an email to a friend of mine named Adam Boggs, who uh, I had met in business school. He was two years behind me and I knew he had a background in sales. And I was like, Hey, I think I'm thinking about trying to get into sales. Can you help me? And he actually said, oh, I just got a job at this great consulting company. You should come check it out. And he ended up getting me an interview, helping me prepare, like putting in a lot of time to help me prepare because one of those tough case study interviews where you get information in two hours, you got to go present it. And they flew me up to San Francisco and well, I was so well prepared thanks to Adam that I, and I had some pretty good Excel and, and presentation PowerPoint skills, and I'm pretty good in front of a room. Uh, and I went up and nailed that interview and I got the job. And it was one of those situations, again, like, it goes back to that lesson about networking because this is a company I never would have found on my own. It's pretty small consulting, boutique consulting firm. And it only came about because he had gotten a job and then went to me and said, Hey, you should come check this out and recruited me. And it ended up being an absolute dream job that fit my strengths. It allowed me to work on different things all the time, to be up on stage facilitating workshops. And I got to travel all over the world, North America, Europe, Asia, Australia, you name it, go running workshops for big companies. And it was just, it was a fantastic experience. I ended up being there for seven years. That's really great. And, and one of the things that I think about as you're talking about this and in a couple cases now where you have reached out to folks and opportunities have appeared. So if you just remove just anything you know about networking for a second, uh, because I know sometimes it can get a little stuck in people's brains, but the thing about it that I think about is that a lot of opportunities sit at the nexus between people, ideas and just knowledge. And the only way you can sometimes figure those out is when all of those things collide. And simply just by putting it out there in a thoughtful way, or not just at random, but you don't know what you're going to get back. But the only way that something can come to be is when a person, an idea, and an opportunity kind of come into place right. and interact. That, in, that inflection point, and it doesn't happen unless you're sometimes willing to take the initiative and start that conversation. Like I have a great example of that. One of my best friends just got a new job. This happened like a week ago because uh, of something he was really interested in, not in his area of expertise that he'd been working in, but he developed this really strong expertise in another area as a hobby. And he reached out to a company and got on the phone with their founder and gave them some suggestions. They got to know him and went, wow, you have unique experience that we've been looking for. We haven't even posted this job yet, but we really, would you think about coming to work for us? made him an amazing offer and he just accepted the job last week. And that never would have happened if he just sure. reached out and make sure. those suggestions. It's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like your time in that role at BTS and just being a facilitator and trainer and being able to get up on stage and work with customers, that really was a transformative experience. But eventually you left and, and now I think you're doing your own thing. And so could you yeah. talk maybe just a little bit about 
how you went from having that to maybe it, it sounds like you always had a little bit of an itch to be an entrepreneur. And so in this case, you're, you're certainly actualizing it, but how did you make that transformation or transition from working at a company to now having your own thing? Yeah, I certainly had that interest early on. And then, as I mentioned, I went into the corporate world and I got this sort of dream job with BTS. I ended up working there for seven years, really fantastic company, great culture. And, but I got into a point where I wasn't quite sure where I was going with my career there, ran into some challenges. And in 2016, I got really into personal development after I uh, discovered a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. I heard him on a podcast and got that book and started practicing this morning routine and doing things that I hadn't really been doing before, like meditation, using affirmation, setting big goals in area, every area of my life. I was already exercising a lot, but I started reading more. I started using a journal every day to track progress on my goals and things that I was working on and listening to a lot more podcasts and reading books and learning a lot of things. And I discovered a couple of things during that time. Number one, I had been really drifting through a lot of my career and feeling unfulfilled, even though on the surface, things look great. I was 36 years old with an MBA, a six-figure salary at a consulting company, uh, a wife and a kid and a second one on the way. Like life looked good, but I felt like something was missing. And what I discovered for me was that I have a strong need for growth. Like I need to be learning and growing on a regular basis. And when I wasn't, then something felt missing. But when I'm able to, you know, be learning and growing and trying new things, I feel a lot happier, more fulfilled. The second thing was I felt this pull back towards entrepreneurship. I really felt like I wanted to be running my own business and taking responsibility for everything that was going on, being willing to take that risk. And so I started learning everything I could and hiring coaches and joining groups to move in that direction. I eventually found a bridge in a subsidiary company of BTS called Advantage Performance Group, where I was able to join as as an independent consultant. And I was within the framework of a small organization but I was still commission only working on my own, no boss, have a more entrepreneurial type culture. And then, uh, so I did that for a couple of years. And then last year in 2020, uh, I went out completely on my own as a fully independent uh, consultant. I was working on my book. I launched a membership community from a conference that I had run with a friend. And I really felt like now was the time to take everything that I had done and put it all together. And by the way, this is 2020 was a tough year on everybody, but my business was completely shut down. It was entirely selling and running in-person training programs and flying around the country and the world, you know, running workshops. And that got shut down. The clients all went away and I pivoted the business and I started doing some virtual stuff. I started this membership community that I run now in the talent development world. And I was working on the book, which I eventually came out with and started doing, you know, some speaking and training that I do from that book now. But it was really like, doing a lot of, and this is something I recommend to everybody in my book and when talks that I give, it was doing a lot of self-reflection and self-assessment to think about who am I? What are my strengths and weaknesses? What do I really love doing? What's it, you know, and that's where I got attracted to entrepreneurship. It was everything that I wanted. And I, later I took this assessment and I think it was the, uh, the predictive index. I think it was, and maybe you've taken that one or some people uh, out there have taken that one. And this woman went through my results and she came back and she said, and I said, what does it say? And she says, it says you're unemployable. <laughs> so I was like, great, I'm in the right position then yeah. because I don't really want to have a boss. Now, what I've discovered, I love entrepreneurship, but I know you and I know, Ali, you just took the leap and went out on your own too. And, and I know it's going to be great for you. But I also know from having lots of conversations that uh, many of your listeners right now are cringing, going, oh my God, I would never want to work on my own. I need to be in a company with a stable salary and insurance and all that stuff, which is great. What I learned from talking to a lot of clients who were like, I can never do what you did. And I wanted to create a guidebook 
Because I also heard as I went into entrepreneurship, I heard, I'd listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear people say things like, if you don't like your job, you need to quit the nine to five and go start your own business. But a lot of people don't want to run their own business. So that was a big reason why I wrote my book because I wanted to create a guidebook for people in the corporate space who want to have a fulfilling career and do something they love, um, but maybe not be running their own business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk a little bit more about your, your book. And I think you just talked, gave us a little bit of background on it, but tell us a little bit more. And I think I, I would also just love to know from having written a book myself, what the, just the journey to, to writing that book. And I'm sure some of it was just top of mind for you because you already were so engulfed in, in just this mindset around personal development and self-reflection. And, and I'm yep. sure you had a lot of thoughts of it as well, but just, I always think writing a book is, it's a lot of amalgamation of other aspects of your life. And so I would just also love to know just in terms of coming up with your book and what came from just reading other people's books, as well as just having the time to think about what you wanted to do versus maybe some of the experiences that you had that informed the book and, and some of the outputs. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I know you've written a book as well, The MBA Insider, and it's a big undertaking when you want to do it. And a lot of people don't know where to start. So for me, I do feel it was like an amalgamation of a lot of work that I had done, the journey that I had been on, the things that I had learned, the self-reflection that I had done to, to help get me from a place where I was drifting in un, you know unfulfilling career early on to finding a fulfilling career, but then not really feeling like it was going where I wanted it to go to then creating the career that I truly want for myself. And again, and, and I'd done so many things along the way, learned so much about networking and building a personal brand. And again, I felt like a lot of the information out there building a brand on finding fulfillment was geared towards go start a business instead of being able to do it while working for a company. And so I wanted to provide a guidebook for people. I'd also been in corporate consulting for 10 years and I worked with executives and managers and people all over the world. And I've seen what helped people be successful and not. And I'd also observed a lot of people really drifting in their careers, operating in reaction mode, just waiting for their boss to tell them what to do. They might be moving up the ladder and doing fairly well ostensibly, but not really happy and not really living intentionally. And I wanted to give people something that would allow them to go out and be a lot more intentional with their career, set a vision and goals and go set themselves up for success in the future. And then as far as how I put that together, I had the idea for this book while I was at a conference in London in November, 2019, talking to a friend, he was interviewing me for his uh, YouTube uh, channel. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the book. And I went back to two talks that I had given at uh, one at a client event and one at an HR conference the previous year and just grabbed the outlines from those talks. And I've heard a lot of you know speakers say that they've done this with books as well. And that became the first two thirds of my book. And then it was just mapping out the last third and then sitting down and writing it and then the whole editing process and all that to make it a reality. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I love the journey behind it and, and how it came to life. One of the things that I noticed when reading your book and also just learning a little bit more about you is that you are really committed to, to personal development. And so one of the things that I think about, and I think it's important is because as we learned in the past year, and as you learned, even for your business, the, the world can move fast. And sometimes it could uh, pull, pull the proverbial rug beneath us when we're stand, standing there. And I know one of the things I, I would love to maybe have you talk about is knowing about just the pace and the speed of change that sometimes can happen. Put that in the frame of personal development. How can people think through personal development, knowing that there is a lot of change that exists out there? And I'm sure you even felt it yourself with not number one, making the, the move from going from corporate to being an entrepreneur, but then number two, doing so at a time when uh, the proverbial rug did get pulled out from under you. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people are feeling this. Look, the pace of change right now is faster than it has ever been before. And yet it's slower today than it's ever going to be. So things are going to keep speeding up, right? They're not going to slow down. There's no like, oh, I'll wait for this to happen. And then maybe I'll catch up one day and I'll figure out what TikTok is or crypto, you know, whatever's going on in the world that you want to catch up with. I think that if you've been around for in the working world for at least 10 or 15 years, like we have, Al, you that Jobs are changing all the time too. There are many jobs that exist today that didn't exist 10 or 20 years ago and vice versa. Like I, when I was in business school, social media was not a thing. Like Mark Zuckerberg had just started Facebook at Harvard and it was only available to college students. And I wasn't on there. I wasn't on social media. And now you look around today in 2021, you'd be hard pressed to find any company that doesn't have at least a social media manager, if not a whole team of people who run social media. It has become a career, not just a job. It's a career that didn't exist. And there's all kinds of examples like that that are happening all the time and jobs that are disappearing as well. So I think we've got to be keeping up with the times and like kind of what's going on in the world and investing in continuous education, not just relying the old days of get the college degree, maybe get the MBA, specialize in finance and just work in that career for 30 years until I retire and I'm good. I don't think that works anymore. It's not relevant. And so we've got to, in order to remain relevant, be investing in our continuous education. That means if you work for a company that provides educational opportunities, that's fantastic, but don't rely on that. Don't wait for that. Go out and educate yourself by reading books, listening to podcasts like this one and others, or take online courses, jump on LinkedIn for 30 minutes a day and scroll through and see what people are talking about. Those are the ways to really educate yourself in addition to formal education. And then there's other things you can do to prepare for the future and set yourself up for success, like building your network, because it's your friends oftentimes are going to tell you what's going on in the world, especially if you have people in your industry. They're like, hey, did you hear about this merger or this thing coming down? And you can go read about it and learn more, right? And then uh, the last thing is to build your personal and professional brand. And your personal brand, I see as nothing more than your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And when you're going out for a job or a promotion, chances are you're not going to be in the room. So what are people going to be saying about you? And that's your reputation. It comes down to how you show up at work, how you work with people, how you collaborate, as well as the type of things you do online on social media. Are you posting things? Are you commenting? Are you building a brand that people go, oh, I definitely want to work with that guy or that gal? Or no, I don't think I would want to work with him. I don't care how experienced he is. I do not want to work with him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up personal brand because I think it's really important. But one of the things I had been thinking about as you were talking was just I really do think, and what was interesting to me is you lived a lot of the things that you talk about in your book, which is a great reason for writing a book, but also is always nice when you can practice what you preach. And it, what what I think is great and wondering if you put it into context here, if you clearly had formal education, as you said, um, you've also done a lot on the side in terms of your own personal development and taking ownership of learning in that regard. But I think one of the things that sometimes people get caught up in, and even right now, you've already listed three books. So I know you're a reader. I know you're deep into podcasts, but how do you kind of balance taking the time to, to go and, and read something? Let's say you wanted to, you wanted to actually really get good at gardening. I know you don't want yeah. to do that, but let's say you did. Yeah. I'm sure you could read, like you could read a bunch of books on it, but that isn't yeah. necessarily going to make you a great gardener. And so I'm just curious how you've kind of balanced in your career, that notion of taking the time to explore and, and learning about things, but also you know, knowing that progress sometimes is the result of action and actually, yeah. you know, doing something. No, definitely. And, you know, you brought up personal development before too. I put all those things I mentioned in that bucket, personal development, personal growth. It is the act of actively looking for ways to improve yourself 
in different areas of your life. We're talking a lot about MBA and career, but I do believe that we should be beneficial to be looking at all areas of your life. Of course, health and fitness, relationships, parenting. I'm always trying to get better in all of those areas. And there's some times when we're like, I need to get better at this thing or this other thing. And I listen to podcasts and read books in, in all of those categories. And I think it's really important. So a couple of things with what you said. One is I think making the time. We live in a time where we are bombarded with demands, right? Emails, social media notifications, text messages, et cetera. And it's hard to make the time for the learning that I talk about or networking or whatever it is. So we've got to be intentional with making that time. The metaphor that you need to sharpen your saw and you can chop down more wood, right? So when are you going to sharpen the saw? A perfect example of a revelation for me, I mentioned in 2016, I got into personal development. I started practicing uh, the miracle morning, this morning routine from a guy named Hal Elrod. And one of the things that you do in that is that you spend 15 or 20 minutes each morning reading before you get into the rest of your day. Before that time, I've always loved books. I read a lot as a child and a teenager. And, uh, but as I grew to be an adult, I found that there were many other things going on. And I would usually only pick up a book and read at night when I went to bed. And, and I'm sure many people can relate to this. I lay down at night, it's 10 o'clock, whatever time it is. I open a book. If it's a business book, I read uh, one or two pages and then what happens? I fall asleep, right? Oh, that's it. I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. And by doing that, on average, I would read about one to two books per year. So not really getting through a lot of books. When I changed that routine and started reading every morning for 15 or 20 minutes, ever since I started doing that in 2016, I've read between 25 and 30 books every year for the last five years. And that's just by dedicating time in the morning without distractions, I find I can get through a lot more reading. Now, the other thing you mentioned, so we've got to dedicate time. The other thing you mentioned is it's great to read and learn, but it doesn't necessarily, that doesn't result in change unless we put things in action, right? I've read dozens and dozens of books now. I've been to tons of uh, seminars and workshops. I've you know, got an MBA, I've been to Tony Robbins seminars. I've been to all kinds of stuff. And I've seen in others and even in myself that sometimes we, we get excited and we go to these things and we might take some notes and then we go back to our daily lives. So it is really important that when you learn something and it's something you want to implement in your life, that you write down, you set a goal and you actually find an opportunity to implement it pretty quickly. Like I'm gonna go do this thing. One of the things I talked about in my book was an importance for having a bias for action. If you're going to be successful, many of the people you admire have a bias for action. They learn something and then instead of going, oh, that sounds nice, I could never do that or getting paralyzed with fear, they actually go out and implement it. They take a podcasting course and then start a podcast. A lot of people take those classes and then never start it. You have to get past fear. It takes courage. Fear is what holds a lot of people back. They're like, I learned this thing and then I'm scared. What, what could happen? Maybe I won't start that podcast or go out for that promotion, whatever it is. But you've got to take action. You've got to do it. And then you learn from that experience, right? And then you adjust and you move on. And one of the things that can really help too is finding a coach a mentor or an accountability partner, someone you can go to and say, hey, Al, I just read this book. It's about, actually, perfect example. This morning, I started the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is a really popular book. Someone gave it to me a while back. I keep seeing it everywhere. So I'm like, okay, the signs are there. I need to read this book. So I start reading it and I go, man, I really want to establish some of these habits, but I know I'm going to have a hard time doing it on my own. Hey, Al, would you read this book with me? And let's like talk to, to each other about the habits we're trying to establish and hold each other accountable. And then no, I know you're checking in with me every day going, hey, did you drink your smoothie today? Did you go to the gym? Did you do that extra project at work? Did you study for that class? Whatever it is, I'm a lot more likely to get it done because of that peer accountability. So finding a coach, mentor, or accountability partner can be really helpful when you're 
you know, trying to put that, those learnings into action. Thanks for kind of sharing that and for giving us some real examples and experiences of how you've done that. And speaking of experiences, I've listened to your podcast. I think it's great. And I've been following you now for a little bit. And I know that you've had some challenges over the past 18 months, just in terms of some of the stuff in your personal life. And so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to just hear you talk a little bit about of you know, what that's been like in terms of having to navigate through that. Obviously on top of it, it's this past 18 months have been hard anyway. How have you been, how you've been doing, how you've been managing what's new with you? Sure. Yeah. A background. I've always been into health and fitness, pretty healthy guy going to the gym six days a week on average for the last five years. So it was really surprising last year in October, 2020, when or November, when I found out I had cancer and what happened was I had just run a successful virtual summit and I took a vacation with my family and I came back and I was coming into the final timeline of publishing my book in November. And I started experiencing a lot of abdominal and stomach pain uh, and discomfort. And I finally went to a doctor and eventually found a lump on in a place where it shouldn't have been. And I uh, went to see a urologist and found out that I had testicular cancer or what he said was likely testicular cancer and that I needed to have surgery. And so I published my book on November 16th, I had surgery two days later to remove my left testicle. And then I was recovering for a while after that. And the hope was that it would just be contained to that area. And I'd be able to go on with my life. I talked to many people who caught it early enough. They had surgery and that was it, but that was not the case for me. I still had a lot of discomfort and uh, went and got some scans and found out that the cancer had spread to my stomach and my neck really to different areas of my body. And it was disappointing news. It was a big challenge because of this personal development work. I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of work on myself for years, reading books and putting things into practice and having coaches that I've developed a bit of a resilient mindset. And I try not to see these things as a major tragedy or end of the world, more like this is annoyance. This is a challenge. Like, how are we going to handle this? And so I went on this health journey and because I had also published a book called own your career, own your life, I was big on personal responsibility and taking ownership of things. I decided I was going to own my cancer and own my health as well. And so I wasn't just going to rely on doctors. I started doing a lot of reading and learning about cancer and nutrition and putting a lot of things into practice. I changed my diet. I cut out uh, things like alcohol and sugar and, and, and caffeine and started taking a lot of different supplements. And because of, I, I tried to avoid chemotherapy for a little while, but um, because of complications and pain that I had, I ended up going in and doing chemotherapy at the beginning of 2021. So January, February, March, and it was definitely the hardest, one of the most awful things I've done in my life, but I got through it. And a couple of things, in addition to taking ownership and doing all the things that I mentioned, changing my diet and, and that sort of stuff, I had family that was supporting me. I had a lot of friends who reached out to me because of that network that I'm very grateful for. And there were a couple other things that really got me through those tough times that I think could be useful for people going through any type of challenge. And uh, the first number one was gratitude. No matter what was going on, I would write down in my journal every day, the things that I was grateful for my family, my friends, the medical care I was getting, even just a, a nice cup of tea or a bag of chips, whatever, being able to take a walk, even when I felt like crap. And then I also remembered the nature of impermanence, which is that this is not going to last forever. It feels awful right now, but it's not going to be like this forever. It was a quote that I heard from my friend, Lauren Davis. This is how it is right now. And I kept remembering that this is how it is right now. It sucks, but this is how it is right now. It's going to be better. And that absolutely came true because I made it through uh, the chemo. I lost all my hair, but I did the work and I kept investing in my health and doing many different things. I got a lot of great support from family. By April, I was done with that. And then I you know, kept doing the things I needed to do to live a healthy life. And by May, June, I was back in the gym. And uh, you and I are talking now in September. 
my hair is back. I'm back to working out every day. And I feel like I'm not close, not a hundred percent, but maybe 98% really back to health. And it was a tough time, but I learned a lot from the experience. I also shared a lot on social media and that allowed me to help a lot of other people, I think, who have been going through things like this. And that allowed me hopefully use this to make a difference in the world. And I really believe this, I'm big on turning challenges and opportunities. And I think that this was an opportunity for me to experience this and, and help other people. Thank you for sharing all that so openly and, and candidly. I really appreciate you you doing that. And most importantly, I'm glad to hear that you're about 98%. I think 98% yeah. for you is a heck of a lot better than uh, 100% for other people. So I, I really do am glad to hear that you're, you're doing well. And I think, look, like none of that sounds easy for any second, but one of the things that strikes me that I do feel good about knowing is that you talked a little bit about resilience and just having put in some work prior to just even knowing that this was going to happen and trying to think about even before any of this of, oh, this could be a really good thing for me to practice and learn. And you didn't know who's certainly, I don't think you knew at the time that some of the things that were going to come your way, but right. that certainly sounds like it was a helpful thing to have when you navigated through it. And amongst, again, part of the reason why you, or it sounds like you develop relationships with people is because they bring you a lot of energy and joy in your life. While in some cases that can be incredibly tactical in the moment of finding an opportunity, it, it sounds like you also were able to really benefit from the richness of those relationships, you know, particularly in a challenging time like this. Oh yeah. What is life without relationships? Sure. I mean, I, sometimes I think that's really all life is about. And I'm grateful to have so many great friends and to have family or to have a wife and kids near me. I thought about it during that time. If I had not been, if I was single, I would have had to move back in with my mom because I couldn't take care of myself for a, a period of time. And also lucky that my mom lives nearby and she's around and I have so much to be grateful for. But having those relationships and, and to take this almost away from cancer, because this is relevant in all areas, because I've built a lot of relationships and a network, and I've also always focused on giving to others first, I think it was easy for people to reach out and, and want to help me. And I'm not just saying about cancer when I publish my book, same thing. I'm always looking for ways to support other people. And whether you believe in karma or whatever it is, I find that often comes back to me. And I'm eager to pay this forward and continue to help people who are going through challenging times in the future. One thing I did want to ask you about was just you knowing when all this was happening just in terms of your timeline with particularly with the book coming out what did it feel like to invest you know so much time energy and work and into build but to create something and bring something into the world and something i think you're probably particularly proud of and excited about and then to have something like this kind of happen at, at such a i mean it's never, yep. cancer is never a good time, but no, but it was, in particular, yeah, it was not good timing. It was incredibly frustrating. It was like, honestly, that was the most frustrating thing. It sounds silly. Sure. And I was like, God, I just published this book. I scheduled all these podcast interviews and now I'm going to go have this surgery. And then I'm like, oh, after that, maybe I'll start. And I started doing some interviews and the pain got worse and worse. And I was just found myself on the couch more and more. I could still run some of my business and post on social media from the couch, right? On my iPhone, the freaking beauty of technology these days, but I had to cancel I canceled a lot of podcast interviews and uh, meetings and things that I was doing to, to try to market the book. And obviously people understood there's no, no big thing there, but it was frustrating that, oh, I've got all this momentum. I'm publishing a book and now I'm going to focus on this cancer thing instead. What I found is the book stuff is always going to be there. I came yeah, back yeah. later on and you and I are talking now, instead of maybe we would have talked a few months ago or sure. whatever it may be, a lot of those things. And 
we now have more to talk about. You put things like, I don't know, we face these challenging things in the moment. Sometimes you're like, God, this is the worst thing in the world. And then you get through some time and you put things in, in context. It's, oh, maybe it was better that we waited, or maybe it was good that this happened. You see it all the time in the corporate world. Like someone gets laid off and it's, oh, this is awful. And then you find a better job and you're like, oh, actually glad I got laid off. So that I'm sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. So one thing I did want to ask you about, because I was thinking about it earlier, you had mentioned earlier that you got to the end of your time. I think it was maybe at BTS and you said, oh, I have this great job. I have this great salary, I have, yeah. you know, great family. And on paper, I, I, I think I'm successful, but it's still feel falling a little bit short in some right. ways. And then this other instance where you choose to go the path of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, you chose to write a book. Then you obviously had this momentum, momentous experience in terms of experiencing cancer. And as you think about, you know, both the sense of on paper feeling like you were successful, but also in the context of sometimes shit happens in life that's bigger than anything yeah. that we do. I'm wondering what you define success as, or what do you think mm -hmm. is success for you? Yes. Uh, I love that question because you have a lot of people listening right now who like, especially if you're in the MBA world, you're always looking around at everybody else. What you know, my friend got this and got promoted yeah. to that. And, yeah. and I wish I could be a vice president like them and they make more money than me. And success is such a relative term. It really is personal and you get to define success and what it means for you. So for me, success is simple. It's being happy with my life and living life with no regrets. Now I make mistakes. I regret things from time to time that I do or say, but in general, I'm not making as much money as I'd like to, because I always have big goals. I wish maybe my business was bigger or I had more reviews or my more people bought my book or uh, more followers on social media. Like we can always strive for more things, but at the end of the day, I absolutely love my life. I love what I'm doing. And that is all that matters. If you are working as a social worker, making $35,000 a year, and you enjoy what you do and you have a friend who is an investment maker making 250 but they're stressed as hell and they hate their life you're fine you're winning you don't need to make more money as long as you can pay your bills but it it's about you and your journey and what you want to accomplish what makes you happy and i think so many times people tie their happiness to either achieving a certain goal or comparing themselves to what their friends are doing or setting goals based on their friends and what they're doing when we need to be taking the time to think about ourselves and what, what we truly want to do, you know, there's the classic trade-off I think about a lot. It's like, you know, you want to be CEO of a company one day, but you also want to have a family and there are different situations everywhere, but let's be honest, if you're going to move to climb, climb the corporate ladder and be CEO, you're probably going to be working 70 hours a week. You might not always be home for dinner with your family every night versus I don't care if I climb the corporate ladder as long as I'm home for, you know, dinner with my family. There's no right or wrong answer. It's like you get to choose and hopefully you can have both. But I'm just saying like, I, as someone who is a father who has two kids and I'm building a business and there's always, I could always put in more time to getting more clients and making more money. But I also want to be there with my family and be home for dinner every night. And therefore I might choose that or choose going to the gym over doing more client work. And I have to be happy with that. I have to be like confident in the decision that I'm choosing the right thing for me and other people might choose something different. I don't have judgment for them. I'm doing the right thing for me. And if I'm happy, then for me, I'm successful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally, I, I couldn't agree more. At the end of the day, the only uh, kind of metrics that really matter are the ones that you set for yourself. And I think one of the things that I often think about and why I asked you the question is because it's very easy sometimes to work really hard and 
focus on achieving outcomes and and not really having the the time or space to really think through what that version of success could mean to you. And so I do think though that the the two moments that I've had pointed out, I think are in your life, I presume were moments when those were such big things to you that they maybe helped clarified what that definition of success was. And also that can change very much as your life changes and as you experience new things. But I think it's more just the intention of going about really being clear for yourself of, of, and your family for that matter, what it really means to you. And I think yeah, that's the important thing. It, and it starts with taking stock of, okay, who am I? Who am I? What am I doing? Am I happy with my career and my life? And if not, what changes do I need to make? Yeah. Uh, and then start to work on those changes. For sure. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing a little bit about your background, your journey to business school, what you've been up to then, the book, and kind of some of your personal journey over the past year and a half. I would love to know for our listeners, people want to learn more about you or to buy the book or just listen to your podcast, where should they go? Where can we send them? Yeah. So the book is Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon, uh, just about everywhere. That's the best place to get it. And uh, I have a, some free resources to offer, if that's okay. People of course, about your, your own career. One of the reports I have is the top five most common career mistakes that people make. And I got this from, you know, interviewing dozens of people in my network, surveying my network. And then there's also some questions in there you can ask to really turn challenges and opportunities as well as my morning routine that I mentioned. You can get all of this by going to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. Uh, it's all there. So, you know, the book on your career, on your life, you got the bonus resources. And then I'm pretty active on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram. So just find me, let me know. You heard me on the MBA Insider and what you got from this show. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.